Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. fantasy football show to celebrate our 50,000 sub accomplishment. Thankfully, Josh isn't here to celebrate with me, but I got someone even better. Brett Coleman's going to talk about his five favorite player that he's drafting on underdog fantasy. Of course, we have best ball mania, $15 million uh, tournament, the biggest one of all time. So I'm just going to kick it off to Brett, who's by the way, doing some great team previews on his own channel. Uh, But who are some of the biggest guys that you're drafting? Any stances? You can go sleepers, First rounders, I'm leaving the floor up to you. I tend to go value hunting pretty heavily uh, in best ball because the top names tend to be priced in already, right? Yep. The price, for whatever reason, uh, well, I know for whatever reason people are obsessed with best ball mania, but usually like the price for like top, top guys gets set by like May. Yep. And so you're spending June and July and August, you know, hunting for guys that you can get in like round 12 on or something like that, where it's like, okay, maybe he can pop late in the year and carry me to the the, the 15 million. Um, for me, my first name, when I look at somebody in that category is Ty Chandler. Ooh. You know, we know that uh, Dalvin's gone now. It's the Alex Madison show. He's at like RB20 now. He's going ahead of Dalvin, which again, his value's already priced in. But people have yet to figure out, okay, well, who's the new Madison? Right. Because if Madison's the new cook, who's the new Madison? I think it's going to be Ty Chandler. Um, He's an absolutely perfect fit for this system. It's very outside zone heavy. If I recall correctly, they were top five in outside zone calls last year. It was their main run. Um, Ty Chandler is an outside zone back, for lack of a better descriptor. You know, incredible speed, 4 3 guy, has receiving ability. Um, I, I, I struggle with the Raheem Mostert comp that some people put on him just because he's fast. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not quite the same, but I do think in terms of explosiveness and explosive potential, you know, somebody who can be an RB two and still have a big game with limited touches, he fits that category. And oh, by the way, he's a better receiver than Madison too. He's RB sixty right now, yep. if I recall correctly. So you're getting him super duper late. He's going like the 190s, early 200s, somewhere around there. Um, again, you're getting him very late in the draft as a lotto ticket. If Alex Patterson goes down, knock on wood, he's going to get a much bigger, bigger load. But as somebody who can produce with limited carries, he's like the ideal RB2 for best ball. 
Yeah, super explosive, has a pass-catching background. I think that the Vikings are going to want him to be the complement to Alexander Madison, who can do a little bit of everything, but I think traditionally more of just kind of early-down grinder type, and then maybe Chandler can operate as the passing down back. Kenny Nwangu, also kind of explosive, but he's even more undersized, and he's like a core special teamer, like one of the best special mm-hmm. teamers in the league. I think that he's going to remain the number three. So really what it comes down to is Ty Chandler versus – seventh rounder Dwayne McBride and this is a very interesting debate because McBride and Ty Chandler are basically the polar opposites yeah. so I think if Alexander Madison stays healthy Ty Chandler is going to be the number two running back and there's even a chance that Dwayne McBride is a healthy scratch for best ball purposes what I'm trying to figure out is let's say Alexander Madison does miss some time or gets benched whatever the case may be who's going to be the guy that's going to handle 15 to 20 opportunities Dwayne McBride I know can do that he's not going to catch any passes but is he going to be the goal line back my question for you is Ty Chandler ready for a 15 touch outing? Could he go a month straight of handling that workload? He wasn't necessarily his like, uh, he wasn't like a bell cow back uh, in his five years in college last year, minimal production. So that's like the thing I'm trying to wrap my head around is Ty Chandler can rip off the explosive plays. I think he's going to play the passing downs. Does he have the physicality? And like you talked about Ricky Moster, does he have like the, the kind of confidence and like know when to hit the right hole to like be the number one back if something does happen to Madison. I think he could, again, he's never going to be the 20 plus touch guy because that's, that's even more rarefied air. People don't realize like how few running backs actually get 20 touches a game. It's like one or two a year. Um, and then real, real quick, the, the Vikings last year under a new coaching staff did not use their running backs like we had in the Zimmer days. Obviously, that's a defensive yeah. coach. O'Connell is going to be a little bit more pass heavy. Um, so I don't think that we should kind of like copy paste like the Dalvin Cook 300 touch seasons. I think it's just going to be probably a tick down from that just based off the style. For sure. And and I think also when it comes to touches, like that's an overarching term, right? Yep. How are those touches happening? Even if he's only getting 10 carries, he could still get five catches in the absence yep. of Madison, right? And in terms of like, hey, it's fourth quarter. We got to grind this thing out. Now we throw in McBride because he's a big yep. back. And he, he, he can take that, right? But it's not just about touch numbers. It's about high value touches. Correct. And Chandler would get the high value touches. Also, by the way, on this whole Chandler versus McBride debate, one thing that I think people forget is McBride literally led all of college football in fumbles last year. It's a big reason why he went in the seventh round. Coaches were hesitant to trust him right. uh, with a heavy workload just because he fumbles a lot. So it's yep. another thing to keep in mind. And McBride is dealing with an injury. He still hasn't practiced yet. It's still only June. He should be back for training camp at any time. Any rookie is not out there participating early on. That's going to work against him. But the good news for both of them is they're not getting drafted every single time. I guess Ty Chandler will moving forward, but there's some leverage purposes. If you are tacking on either McBride or Chandler late in the drafts that you could get pretty unique and obviously tons of upside. We think we like Alexander Madison. I'm not sure if anyone loves Alexander Madison. So there's even a chance that without an injury, one of these two, even maybe Kenny Nwongu, kind of just eats into that role a little bit too. So go target the Vikings. Go watch some tape. Uh, we have um, some stuff on Dwayne McBride on our channel. Uh, one of the reasons why we have Brett on, and I was not shocked that you said that you want to go the sleeper route, is he's grinding all the deepest prospects throughout the draft as well. So uh, I'm sure that you have a bunch of Ty Chandler stuff on your channel as well. Uh, who's your next name? Uh, my next one, you know, keeping the NFC North, is going to be David Montgomery. Oh, yes. And this is, I don't want to call it my hottest take, but it is slightly spicy. Right now, Jameer Gibbs is going as RB14 because, again, draft capital, top 12 pick. He's a running back they can catch. Everybody and their mothers comparing him to Alvin Kamara. 
even though he's like 25 pounds lighter than Alvin Kamara. One problem, uh, yeah. <laughs> when Kamara's like 215, Gibbs played at like 200, right? So right. it's it's not the same body composition. It's not the same tackle breaking, right? Like he's not Alvin Kamara. Um, and I, I, I struggle with Gibbs at RB14 because I have a pretty good idea of what his role is going to be, which is a slightly more used version of what DeAndre Swift was for them, right? A receiving back that also gets some carries, whereas Dave Montgomery is going to be the new, arguably better version of Jamal Williams, which is the guy who leads them in carries and also gets the uh, the, the really high-value, low-red zone opportunities. So it really comes down to, you know, what do you want? The guy with receiving upside and the guy who can get some explosive plays, or do you want the guy who's more likely to score touchdowns? For me, in best ball, touchdowns are king, right? Yep. And even if, you know, if it's half PPR, even if, you know, Gibbs gets 40 yards on a drive on three catches, so he's getting five and a half points. Well, guess what? If Dave Montgomery gets seven yards on a touchdown, he's getting more points. Right. So I want the guy who's going to get more points, which is likely going to come from touchdowns. That's going to be Dave Montgomery. He's RB27. Gibbs is RB14, so you're getting him later, and I think there's a legitimate possibility he's going to outscore Gibbs. This is not me saying that I don't love Gibbs the player. I think he's a phenomenal weapon, but we need to be realistic about what the role is here. He is a 200-pound running back in a largely gap scheme offense that pounds the ball inside. They were top five in counter, top five in power. They were very low in zone. Like this is not a team that tends to work the edges with the run game, which is what Gibbs is good at. Mm-hmm. They punch you in the face. That's what, what, that's what, why they paid Montgomery, right? They wanted a guy who could do that. So they're complementary weapons. They're going to work together really well when it comes to real football. But when it comes to who's going to give me the peaks that I need in best ball, Montgomery could have several multi-touchdown games here. I could not agree with you more. David Montgomery will be my highest drafted player once all the ADPs settle and all the way through August because I think the Jameer Gibbs hype is just going to remain very consistent because you're going to get all these reports from camp. He's catching pass. He's working from the slot, yeah. and everyone loves that. But that we love that in full PPR. This is half PPR best ball. We're here for touchdowns, and David Montgomery has some success doing that. And if Gibbs goes down, David Montgomery, unlike Jamal Williams, I think that the Lions would view him as a bell cow where he can take on both the DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams role. And in that offense, we're talking about potential to be a first round type of talent uh, in a short time frame. Last year, the Lions combined for the most expected fantasy points to their running backs combined. I totally with you with Gibbs. Loved him watching his tape. I think that he's going to be a very good compliment in the NFL. I get why they paired Gibbs with David Montgomery. But like you said, Gibbs, uh, he only had 10 carries with two or fewer yards to go in college. He only had uh, just four carries inside the five-yard line. And then, like you said, and I didn't know that about the Lions to the same degree, but the Bama offense, they used him off tackle or to the complete outside on 112 of his 151 carries. So there's yeah. a big transition to go from that scheme to this scheme. So I'm with you, Jameer Gibbs. I get why his ADP is high because it's very easy to like. There will be some flashy plays, and nobody really likes David Montgomery. But D- David Montgomery is well liked by running backs, or running back coaches in the NFL, just because he's a pretty consistent player. And by the way, right now I have on the screen on Underdog Fantasy we have NFL season long projections uh, in our lobby right now. David Montgomery is projected for 775 rushing yards. Jameer Gibbs is at 580 rushing yards. Um, 
I think that David Montgomery could score more, more than six and a half touchdowns, by the way, as well. Why is it six and a half? <laughs> yeah, so this would be the one I would like even more than the rushing yards just because I don't think Gibbs is going to be at the goal line very often. Maybe they'll use him like in motion and like get him like on a little swing pass from the five-yard line, but when the ball is on the one-yard line, we're going to get Jamal Williams without the dance moves. I'm stunned it's at six and a half. Oh, my God. Low. Right, I'm jumping on that like literally right when we get off of this. Yep. I mean, there's tons wow. of them. We have like literally probably like a hundred uh, projections already up there. So, and it's only June. We'll keep adding more to those. So go go to use uh, promo code the show. We'll match your deposit up to a hundred bucks. All right, you're two for two with me. Who's your next name? Uh, hopefully, it's three for three. Jahan Dotson's going as wide receiver forty right now, and I, I get it. The durability was a concern. Like he was a little bit banged up last year, but when he was on the field, he was incredible. Um, and I think that I'm not saying that he is a better player than Terry McLaurin, but when he was on the field, he was out producing Terry McLaurin as a rookie. Like he is a phenomenal young player, um, has already exceeded my expectations. And I, I, I had pretty decent expectations for him. I think I had him at like a round two grade, something like that. And he got taken around one. I was like, Oh, I don't know about that. He's kind of, he's kind of small durability might be a problem, but it's almost like a glass cannon type thing. Like as long as, as long as he is on the field, he's amazing. Um, and he's already made me look like an idiot. So I love Jahan Dotson as a player. He's a great route runner. He has great ball skills, yards after catch ability. Um, there's, there's not really a whole lot to complain about uh, for him as a player. Um, again, it's just about staying on the field with him. And also I think that it's, there's potential that Washington has a better quarterback situation this year too, right. because it sounds like they're actually giving Sam Howell a real shot here, who I think is going to be an upgrade for them, even though he is a later round pick himself. So I'm all in on Jahan Dotson at wide receiver 40. That seems low to me. And I'm going to get him in probably most of my teams. When Josh and I rewatched all of last year's rookie wide receivers, we sent Slack messages after kind of watching each one. And the player that we both agreed was like, wow, this guy's much better than kind of what everyone thinks was Jahan Dotson. And what was so special about his season last year was in college, he was a small guy, played a lot in the slot, played bigger than his size, like really plays beyond his frame. And then last year as a rookie, he go plays on the outside was able to win against man coverage, was still playing bigger than his size, and he was doing all the hard routes. Like They would not scheme him up because they had Curtis Samuel to kind of scheme up those passes. I'm wondering if Eric Bieniemy says, let's get rid of the Curtis Samuel scheme touches and let's go back to Jahan Dotson because we didn't see that as a rookie, but Jahan Dotson can also be somebody that can play back in the slot, kind of be a manufactured touch player. And on top of that, can go win on the outside uh, in ways that probably a lot of uh, people, including myself, were a little bit skeptical of just because he is a little bit smaller. But super flashy route runner, very consistent, can win downfield a little bit as well. But I think there's a chance that Eric Bieniemy, who remember all those motion plays with the Chiefs, just constant nonsense with their wide receivers. I do think that Jahan Dotson can kind of absorb a little bit of that role, and we did not see that last year. I actually, when I, when he first came out, I thought he was going to be a slot receiver. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. He doesn't really beat press that well. And then all of a sudden he shows up in the NFL and he's like, you can't touch me. You know, yeah. so it's like some guys, some guys just get better when they go to the NFL and he's, he's one of them. Yeah. Right now we have his opening projection at just 800 yards. So if you are a Sam Howell guy, if you're a Jacoby Brissett guy, I mean, really the, we're just trying to be better than uh, Heineke and Carson Wentz. The bar is pretty low with the commanders. And I do think that Jahan Dotson's a real player. And I would not be surprised if they kind of faded Curtis Samuel a little bit out of the offense. So have you ever been on vacation? 
after a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in. Room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog. Or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. All right. On to number four. Who do you got? Uh, So he's slightly priced in already. So I wouldn't say this is like an incredible value. But I also... uh, find it hard for me to not leave most of my drafts with Anthony Richardson. He's going as QB 10 right now. Um, so again, the, the upside is already priced in. Like he's going ahead of a whole bunch of established productive veterans, but this is best ball specifically best ball mania. If we want those millions and millions of dollars, we kind of got to go for it. We got to swing yep. for those fences. So Anthony Richardson on on my drafts where I'm just going for it all and throwing caution to the wind, he's typically going to be my QB1 on those teams. And I feel great about it because he's an absolute freak show. He's incredibly mobile. Um, but also, I think he, he didn't get the credit uh, as a passer that he should have in the pre-draft process. Like I had him way above Will Levis as a passer. His pocket presence was better. His decision-making is better. His accuracy was better than Levis. Like, I was all in, you know, from, like, February, March-ish of, like, yeah, that's a, that's a top-five pick. I mocked him to the Colts at four yep. in, like, March. Um, and and people said I was crazy. And it's like, no, you, you got to watch him play. Like, this is a guy who did not have very many starts but is playing like he was a three-year starter. His acceleration curve is only getting steeper. I think that to survive in the AFC, you have to have a super weapon. He's going to be a super weapon. And again, even though he's already QB 10, that upside is already priced in. It doesn't mean that I don't want that upside on my team. So I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think he has a bunch of weapons to work with, like that receiving core, the running backs, the tight ends. Like there's plenty of guys to throw to there. And the one thing that was holding the Colts offense line or Colts offense back last year uh, was their offensive line. Like that was kind of the root of all evil. And I think that they've made some moves uh, to fix that as well, particularly the right guard spot is no longer the worst right guard <laughs> rotation, if you can call it that, in the league. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm way high on the Colts offense, and Anthony Richardson's going to be starting from day one. They seem to be super excited about him. Again, I, I don't care he's already QB10. I want him. Yeah, the upside is so evident. What was so just shocking watching his tape is for somebody that as inexperienced as Anthony Richardson, he did not – find himself under pressure very often. Like the obviously Florida offensive line wasn't world beaters by any means, but there's players that like just walk into pressure or they have happy feet. He seems very poised. Now, like he would get fooled from time to time and he would definitely sail some throws, but I think some of those things are fixable over time. 
I don't think that you can kind of coach out the uh, Sam Darnold like traits when they are out there. Same thing with like Zach Wilson, for example. He didn't have those on top of that. His the most athletic quarterback ever. And I'm with you when they hired Steichen and they had the quarterbacks coach who coached Kyler Murray and Cam Newton at his previous spots. And they already were saying, we're not trading up for a guy. To me, the whole time, it was like, when they made this hire, they knew they were drafting Anthony Richardson, and they're going to build their team around him. They've already told us, basically, that he's going to be out there starting from week one. So I think we need to accept that. I think that all the Jalen Hurts short yardage rushing and like also like third and six, uh, a lot of teams are passing the ball. You're going to see some fun Anthony Richardson plays, and as long as that offensive line is a little bit better, I think the upside path is pretty evident. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like a little bit of a Justin Fields-type season. Obviously, Fields was like absolutely outrageous rushing the ball, and that's hard to predict. But if somebody else can match Justin Fields besides Lamar Jackson, it certainly is going to be Anthony Richardson this year. And he he can take the punishment like Big Fields, time. right? You know, Lamar would get dinged up a little bit because yep. he's a small guy, but – uh, yeah, Anthony Richardson's bigger than almost everybody else out there on the field. How do you like the fit with Michael Pittman versus Alec Pierce? I think like the the easy thing to say is Alec Pierce is going to win all of the vertical routes. He's basically only runs nine routes. He stays attached to the 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 sideline. There's going to be some spike plays. I'm more curious about Michael Pittman because you have to draft him a little bit earlier. Michael Pittman more of an intermediate underneath type of guy. I think that he can win everywhere but kind of historically has been used in that role do you think michael pittman and richardson are going to be able to work things out together yeah because i think that you know looking at this offensive structure again we're just going based off of what we know about steichen right um it's a very vertical system and i I like to call it uh, simplicity through aggression meaning you make things simple on a young quarterback whether it was justin herbert when steichen was there herbert's rookie year and they were going deep constantly uh or jalen hurts last year he really does believe in simplicity through aggression because everything and i mean every single coverage in the nfl turns into man when it's 20 plus yards down the field yep and very rarely do you do you ever actually see a true double coverage um and it, it there's always going to be one guy running against one DB deep down the field. It's on the quarterback to find him. So Steichen's going to be calling a lot of 989, so two go balls and a middle read. Um, that was like one of the main uh, chunk concepts for the Eagles last year, and the same thing for for uh, with Herbert when he was younger. And Richardson is going to be finding Alec Pierce on a lot of those, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Michael Pittman's the middle read guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, or maybe Isaiah McKenzie. I guess it depends on the personal groupings that are on the field, but – I think they're they both have a place here. Now Pittman will get more volume, but Pierce might get more touchdowns. So I, I think it really just depends on if you're willing to uh, again throw caution to the wind a little bit and go hunting for touchdowns and the spikes versus the consistency of Pittman. But I think they both have their roles here. Yeah, I think in redraft you'd obviously go with Michael Pittman more consistency week to week, and then better in best ball profiles, spike weeks down the field touchdowns. I'm with you, Alec Pierce does seem like a very good fit with Anthony Richardson. I think that Anthony Richardson that you can definitely make a low light tape of him missing throws. But I would say a lot of them were underneath touch throws, and not necessarily when he's throwing deep. You just sailing the ball uh, into the stands. I think that is just more of a touch thing. I think it's because he's so rocked up and he's just so inexperienced. And I think that a lot a lot of those underneath throws will kind of get coached uh, up. We saw that with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts to some extent, obviously with this coaching staff as well. So 
I think long-term, very bullish on Anthony Richardson. I think that you can make a case this year in an upside tournament like best ball that you should at least have some exposure to him. All right, number five, who do you got? Uh, again, we're going back to the rookie well because that tends to be where I get value uh, is because I always do a lot of studying on the rookie class every single year, and most people don't really look at the rookies until August when they're like, oh, God, who do I draft? Um, and so right now you're getting Luke Musgrave at tight end 20. Let's go. Tight end 29, and he is the week one starting tight end in an offense in Green Bay that features the tight end. They are going to be running 12 and 13 personnel constantly. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be willing to bet a pretty give a chunk of money on that, that they're going to be very high up uh, in terms of the rankings of 12 personnel usage. He is 6'6", runs like a freaking deer, great route runner, super smooth. Um, reminds me a lot of Tyler Eifert before Eifert yes. got injured. Uh, and kind of ruined his career at the Pro Bowl when he had a very freaky injury there. But, like, he's got the same build. He has the same fluidity. He's got gas down the field, like a true seam ripper at tight end. And, again, this is a system that historically will feature tight ends. I think it's a even higher upside uh, version of, like, the Daniel Bellinger situation. When Bellinger, I think it was, like, a fourth-round pick for the Giants, and everybody's like, ah, rookie tight end. Well, Bellinger is the only game in town, right? Tight ends are going to have to get catches at some point, even if it's a rookie. So um, Bellinger ended up being very productive when he was on the field. And I think Musgrave is even better. And since Musgrave is going to be on the field a lot, it stands to reason that they are going to feature him rookie or not. So yep. he's like a TE3. Free. And he, he could very easily produce uh, some pretty monster weeks there and, and give you some good points. He will be my most drafted tight end right there with you. A lot of the narrative with the rookie tight ends has been, well, a veteran's going to get in there and do the things that the rookie is not good at. Well, with the Packers, his backup, also a rookie who's just yeah. a worse version of them. So one of them is going to be on the field, and I feel pretty confident that it's going to be Luke Musgrave. I haven't been like the guy that's always, quote, tweeting the practice reports in June, but I have noticed some Luke Musgrave clips out there, and man does not look like your typical tight end. Very fluid, and that's basically what he was billed as uh, 93rd percentile, 10 yard split, 90th percentile, broad jump, 60th percentile, three cone. And he's still six, six two fifty. So that three cone is pretty impressive for somebody at that size and a very small sample last year. Cause he got hurt, but he was about to have some awesome numbers at Oregon state and they drafted him quite high despite having a lot of injury concerns. So if he's out there on the field, which he is right now, I think his upside is massive because like you said, really there's not that much competition around him, like both at his position. And also like, I think Christian Watson's going to be a good player, but he might be a good like player on like five to six targets and not necessarily like a possession receiver. And like Jaden Reed maybe can do something, but he's only playing the slot right now. Romeo Dobbs, like to me, he's like a poor man's Corey Davis. I don't see somebody that is out there going to be like getting 30% of the targets. So Luke Musgrave might be the, the breakout tight end that no one's drafting. And that's the big thing for best ball mania is most of these tight ends and tight end two land are getting drafted hundred percent of the time. Luke Musgrave right now is probably being drafted like only 10% of the time. So if you're right, you're going to be like right in multiple ways. And that's kind of how you differentiate in these big best ball tournaments. For context, Dalton Kincaid is going as TE 11 right now. And he's the TE two on his own team. Yeah. So where, where do we really want to get the value here? Do we want to take the, a TE2 on the Buffalo Bills uh, as TE11, or do we want to take the actual starting tight end in Green Bay at TE29? To me, it's an easy decision. 
and they weren't drafted that far apart. Like it's first round versus second round, but it was really like the the middle to early part of the second round versus the later part of the first round. We're not talking about a massive difference in prospects. And there are some very sharp people out there that thought Luke Musgrave might be the best all around tight end uh, in this class. And that's really saying something because this, this class I think has a chance to have a couple players kind of break. I think there's like a chance um, that Michael Mayer can do some things. People like Sam Laporte is a little bit smaller for somebody that I kind of like as a, a rookie tight end, especially Dan Campbell, uh, a, a tight end himself. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to like somebody that small in an every down role, but Luke Musgrave, man, there's not a box he doesn't check. So I'm super excited to watch him. I think he's in one of these training camp guys. All it's going to take, uh, Brett is just one of these preseason games where he yep. breaks off a 30 yard crossing route underneath kind of <laughs> Evan Ingram style and yeah. forget it. It's over. So get some exposure to, him now um brett let us know what what you're doing uh on your channel right now i'm noticing all these thumbnails with uh probably the best view um in in the football space uh tell me what you got uh, rocking and rolling yeah over on uh the bootleg football podcast uh also brought to you by underdog what's up uh and you know we got the underdog neon sign in the background and everything um so we're going team by team we have 40 episodes five a week for eight weeks covering all eight divisions um and every team in depth for like an hour plus where we go over, uh, you know, the schemes they ran last year, the schemes they're going to run this year, coaching changes, personnel changes, the rookie class, free agency, basically giving you a very, very, very hardcore look uh, at every single team on a very granular level. And also using that information to identify values in best ball, which we do every single show as well. Uh so if you just need something on your morning commute and you need to learn random facts about every single team and, and get ideas for who you might be able to value hunt uh, late in your best ball drafts, go check out the bootleg football podcast. we got episodes coming out every single day. These are massive undertaking. I'm just doing uh, written versions of team previews and it's just basically looking at kind of offensive line and offensive coaching uh, schemes. It's a massive undertaking to do on both sides of the ball. So make sure you go checking that out. And I think that, in football, the coaching really matters compared to some of the other sports out there. And there's so many little details, like even just for fantasy football pur- purposes, how much 12 personnel a team is going to use. Because like that, if, you got, if you're the slot receiver in 12 personnel, you're not going to be viable in fantasy, especially in half PPR. So like every little one of these percentages that we talk about, it sounds really nerdy, but they all end up mattering. And like you said, even that gap versus zone uh, nugget that you had with Jameer Gibbs, I think all of that stuff goes very underlooked. Um, and there's not that many clear edges in fantasy football right now. Like you said, a lot of these top picks are priced in, but some of these rookies that have a chance to play based off of their uh, their fit in the coaching scheme is going to really matter, and Brett probably knows that better than anybody on YouTube. So make sure you're subscribed over there. Go draft on Underdog Fantasy, and then also check out these, these NFL season-long projections. Like the brand-new product for us going to be a, a very fun thing to track and see how these things move around and don't be surprised if we keep adding more and more names so uh that's for it for me maybe josh is back next week I, he might be lost in bali uh we're wishing him a happy honeymoon uh don't rush back smell smell the grass uh touch some grass uh we'll see you probably next week later guys <laughs>